Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Kate Fazzini. She's an author. We apologize for the audio quality of this week's show. We will fix it next week. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is also sponsored by CheapTranscription.io. Cheap Transcription offers 10 cent per minute transcriptions using our happy robots or 85 cents per minute using our human assistants. CheapTranscription.io is cheaper and faster than everyone else. CheapTranscription.io. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Kate Fazzini. She's a reporter on cybersecurity. Uh, and you just recently wrote a book, The uh, Kingdom of Lies, Unnerving Adventures in the World of Cybercrime. Uh, I was fairly excited about this title because it's uh, I, I like unnerving adventures. Well, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so tell me about the book. Tell me what you uh, tell me what the um, who are these who are these unnerving adventurers? So I, I had a, a number of people who I wanted to feature, and I, I center the book around four individuals who uh, are, some of them are cyber criminals, some of them are defenders, and some of them are kind of am- ambiguous, um, and, and certainly all of them escape the line between good and bad. And my my purpose was just to put them under the microscope and see what we can understand about security better by understanding the people involved in it. Okay. So, uh, what, so that's interesting. In, in there, there have been a few books like this. I, I distinctly remember like hackers and uh, cuckoo's mm-hmm. egg and everything. And these come yeah. out every couple years. What's, <laughs> what's special about this era? Uh, what's special about these hackers in this era that, that maybe we might've not seen before? So I think, um, I, one of the, the the main storylines that people always kind of glom onto is this woman who I call Renee, who is a, a young, she kind of starts as a, as a teenager in Romania who doesn't have very much technical expertise at all. In fact, she kind of hates computers. Um, and she takes a job interview for what she believes to be a startup in her hometown uh, that actually turns out to be a, a cyber criminal ring. Um, and, and her hometown, she, she discovers, is, is home to many of these. And, and this is sort of a trend going on across uh, Eastern Europe. But what is really interesting is this rise of the unskilled worker in, in cybersecurity and certainly on the criminal side. So she comes into this with no skills. She does have some skills for customer service, which is what she's hired to do. She ends up on the other end of these these calls with companies that have been the victims of ransomware, and she just, just sort of takes it from there. She uses her marketing skills, brings in, uh, helps helps this criminal group bring in a lot more money than they were before, and uh, you know then kind of finds herself in a little bit too deep and, and has to try to get out. And it was just a really compelling story. I think it was a story that a lot of people could relate to. And I wanted to give people a chance to approach the topic um, from that area of understanding. Like I was a dumb teenager once. I did a lot of stupid things. I may have even, you know, come close to getting arrested for them or some of those things might have been illegal. Um, and it's really not that different from a lot of people's stories. And so I think uh, that's what makes it different. We're talking about people um, who a lot of different people can relate to. Uh, the Cuckoo's Egg is one of my favorite books of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're talking about some people with some very heavy technical expertise. Um, and it's an, a very interesting mystery story. Uh, this is, you know, 
people from all walks of life who stumble into this. I think I wanted to make it more interesting to people that way. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think about the cuckoo's egg and the cuckoo's egg. Uh, if you haven't read it, you should take a look at it. Uh, Clifford Stoll wrote this story, wrote this book about. In, he was one of the first proto internet engineer guys. He he was a, he was a physicist uh, at Berkeley, and um, and then he discovered a hacker in his in his systems. But all the all the, re the expertise required for that hacker to get in from place to place uh, would now be considered kind of normal. But back then, that was like that was PhD level stuff that he was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's funny that you're mentioning a, a hacker who's basically entry level. It's like a, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like amateur, uh, not even to the point of uh, not even the point of learning. You just basically just show up and do your job. Right, exactly. And and you and the, these organizations that are that are doing a lot of the the cyber crime against us, whether it's fraud, whether it's ransomware, even if it's nation state sponsored, they look like businesses. They have CEOs, they have customer service reps who will get on the phone with you and help you procure Bitcoin if you've never done that before. They they have HR departments, they have people who do hiring, go on the dark web and find partnerships. Um, it's I, I, I want to really highlight to people that you know, the days of Cliff Stoll, where you had this East German enemy, and it, it was just this very, like, sort of, you know, pseudo-militarized, you know, it's happening at a university, but there's these huge military um, implications to what's happening is, is kind of over. And mm -hmm. we're now at a point where we're just up against other businesses who are running like businesses. And frankly, they're a lot more agile than we are. We might even have something to learn from them. Do these companies start out as like, I mean, do you sit down and do your business plan and like we're extortion for hire? I mean, or did, did, I, were you able to talk to any of these guys? Oh, yeah. So in the, in the case of the, the I, I'm doing air quotes uh, on the war podcast, um, the company or the, the criminal organization that, that Renee gets involved in, um, they actually pivot a few times from originally doing ransomware and then figuring out they can make more money by just extorting people, so stealing their secrets and then saying, I'm going to release them for a really huge sum of money. Um, and I think that the lesson there is that you have these groups that they might start out that way. Um, some are more organized than others. Some, you know, they help collect individuals together, but uh, they are able to go into whatever uh, line of work it is that is the most lucrative at the time. So um, if it's if it's ransomware, that's one thing. If it's bank trojans, then you know they can pivot, they can go there. If it's DDoS attacks for hire, they can sort of reform with other people and, and do those types of attacks. So um, there, one of the interesting things I, I heard recently from, from a researcher was that some of these groups are becoming so so large and sprawling that, that they've actually become sort of too big to fail. Um, mm -hmm. And you have... Uh, they become much easier to find uh, than the groups that are, that are more agile, which I think is an important lesson. So we even have cybercrime rings that are just becoming too bureaucratic and too obvious. Um, and do they do they ever end up hacking themselves? That sounds like a that sounds <laughs> like a like a. <laughs> they they absolutely do. They um they actually you know I think that it's sort of a. A different version of the Silicon Valley sniping that goes on between mm -hmm. 
startups sometimes, but um, you, I, I've seen examples of, um, so a distributed denial of service attack, I'm, I'm sure your listeners know, um, a DDoS attack is, is when, um, you know, a, a criminal uh, overflows the information going in to your company and crashes your website. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a surge of these DDoS for hire functions um, where you can hire somebody to do this against an enemy. Um, and we see those factions actually fighting against each other now where one of them will try to take over the compromised computers of another to not only have more compromised computers, but to um, give uh, you know the the competition um, kind of the middle finger, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is fascinating. Um, so what's the... Um What's next for this kind of stuff? Is it is it basically is it's not nation states fighting nation states anymore? It's uh, it's mm-hmm. Joe's computer hacking versus the Romanian <laughs> hacking group or whatever. Right, and you also have this combination of in, in countries, especially Russia, is the perfect example of this, where and I, I do talk about this in the book. The the government of Russia is very comfortable working mm-hmm. alongside criminals, so they find that a, a criminal is doing very well. Um, they might say, hey, come and do some stuff for the FSB and we won't, you're not going to get in any trouble for what you've been doing. Um, they have no, no problem with that. You know, in the United States, we're very different. We're not going to um, typically make, uh, you won't see the FBI asking cyber criminals to join their ranks. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, that's one trend that I, I expect to continue. I, I'm really interested to see what happens with Facebook's um, cryptocurrency, which came out today. Um, I think there uh, there's a lot of opportunity there for new kinds of fraud. Um, I think it's also you know a new opportunity for something that's maybe more secure than the the types of financial transactions that we've been doing today. But I expect that that the rise of that cryptocurrency will spur a lot of really interesting uh, criminal innovation. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. You're um... Where everybody here is saying, okay, this is the uh, this is a big deal because it's going to help the unbanked. It's going to it's going to save people's lives, etc. And you're and you're saying it's just going to be a little bit easier for uh, for criminals to ask grandma for a uh, for a gift card, which is <laughs> well, I think scary. no, I'm not discounting. Um, I know that we're focused on the you know bright shining future of, of technology, and I I, <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> discount the the good that something like this can do for for the unbanked. Um, or for, for people who don't have access to savings, um, and certainly people who are paying really high fees for, for some of these transactions. Um, but it is going to create a sprawl of, you know, one type of platform that will lend itself to a great deal, I think, more activity on the criminal side, especially mm-hmm. since you'll have a lot of people who aren't accustomed to even the wire transfer process um, where, you know, wire transfer fraud, huge problem in the United States. Um, And they might not be ready for what one of these scams looks like and how good they are. And I think that you will see criminals trying to take advantage of that with tons of new people coming online. Hmm. That's going to be interesting. When as as you uh, as you went through the uh, the research, did you meet any uh, promising anti anti hacker fighters? Oh yes, and I, I do discuss that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and actually, uh, you know, some of the people who are on the bad side of things kind of take their skills and, and go fight for the good guys eventually, which I think um, is a positive message. Uh, maybe some people might not think so, but but I do. Um, and there are a great many people coming up uh, out of the military and out of universities who are really good at, at, at cybersecurity. We certainly need to see maybe a little more innovation as far as how we're, we're hiring these professionals. Um, but I've personally seen some really wonderful cyber defenders in action. Um, and it's, it's amazing how I think people would be surprised that you can have a really huge attack and there's really only a handful of people with the skill set to fight back against it. Um, I, I think that's something that we need to work on in the U.S., getting a better education, helping people get to that level. Mm -hmm. What is that? What does an attack like that look like? Is it does it look like in the in the movies where like somebody has to type in a, a, a Python uh, program in 15 seconds and then fights <laughs> off the squids or whatever? I think it's <laughs> like that. Um, it's it's often much longer than that. So the really sophisticated attacks um, that that we see, like let's say at a major financial institution, um, involve. Like, let's say you have a tripwire set up so that if somebody intrudes into your network and they're taking um, bits of information back from it, um, there's a certain level uh, that under that you're not going to see an alarm. And what we often see is that some of the really good attacks are intruders coming in and taking information for months at a time just underneath that level. So... Mm -hmm. You know, you might have a, a really wide range of people working on the same the same issue, but um, it is to their benefit to not kind of do the the crash and burn type attack that you might see in the, the movies. They want to be on your network for a long time and just siphon off data little by little. That can become an enormous amount terabytes of information. What can what can the average person do to protect themselves now? I think um, there's a couple of things, uh, you know, it, despite the fact that we have these huge news stories about cybersecurity, whether it's the elections hacking or some of the, the big nation state stuff with, with Russia and the energy grid, um, it all comes down to really simple things like passwords and making sure that you have multi-factor authentication. Um, th these are really simple kind of steps. Um, I think one of the pieces of advice I, I give to people a lot, um, and, and some people don't love it, is just to sort of respect yourself more when it comes to social media. Um, to A lot of the attacks that we see rely on the information that people put out there freely. Mm -hmm. and, and so positioning yourself um, the, the way that you want to is, is going to be increasingly important. Um, and I think, uh, a lot of, a lot of people say privacy doesn't exist anymore, or they're not worried about it, but, um, I just encourage people to worry about it, to worry about how much information you put out there and just think about it a little bit before, before it gets out into the public sphere. Yeah. I mean, I've always been saying that everybody's going to be naked on the internet for 15 minutes in the future. <laughs> I like that. 
it's like but like I've, I've taken all the photo i've taken off like all my photos and i try not to put a, a personal stuff onto social media anymore because it's basically not that's not a place for it i i can if i sit down at a bar and hang out we can talk about personal mm-hmm. issues but if i want to post it on facebook i know that tomorrow's tomorrow's facebook post is only read by robots and uh, and hackers mm-hmm. right and i think um I had, I've had some people ask me, you know, how, how did I carry on conversations with some of the people in the book? And often it was just in person, which is interesting given the subject matter, I think. Mm-hmm. But in-person conversations, um, it's almost like this kind of currency of the future where um, so much of what happens on social media is it's just not real and it's or it's triggered by you know an algorithm that that favors everybody being disgruntled with one another um i i think it's great to just unplug and you know get to get get to know somebody one-on-one it's maybe that's our future that <laughs> will be mm-hmm. will be yeah, maybe that's a valuable thing <laughs> did, did you notice yourself being targeted at all when you were being uh, when you're is like did you notice more hacks or does it is it was did it feel when pretty I was, normal? You mean when I was writing the book? I, I don't want well, I don't think anybody knew I was writing it, so that was probably good. But um when I I, I transitioned, so I, I worked in cybersecurity for a long time. Um I was uh, I worked in the cybersecurity organization at, at JP Morgan Chase and um and then for a consulting firm and then I, I went on to be a journalist and after I, I wasn't ready for becoming a journalist and then having my name be out there as a cybersecurity reporter, I started at the Wall Street Journal. And I did then receive a lot of kind of threats or people trying to um, plug their expertise or their product by attempting to hack me or hack the organization I worked for and, you know, report it back to me. Um, That's been kind of an interesting experience, uh, one that I'm <laughs> not, not, mm-hmm. not particularly loving, but <laughs> nonetheless, yeah. it's certainly instructive. All right, and uh, and so let's go back. Let's take a look at the book, The uh, Kingdom of Lies: Unnerving Adventures in the World of Cybercrime. Uh, this is coming. This is out now, right? Or are we are we waiting for a yes. minute? Yes, it's not June eleventh. Yeah, June eleventh. All right, perfect. I'll uh, I'll go grab a copy for my uh, for my kids. They always enjoy the uh, they always enjoy the cybercrime stuff and Clifford oh, Stoll probably one of our favorites. Excellent. All right. All right. Kate Vizzini, thank you for joining us on Technotopia. This has been a uh, this has been a real treat. I'll I'll try to keep safe. Okay. Thank you, John. Take care. All right. Thank you. <laughs>